Hello and welcome back to Podcast Extra with myself, Jess Percival, and the wonderful Tim Cameron Kitchen. We have quite a few stories to get through today, quite a lot of things in like the same category, kind of breaking all at once. Are you excited to talk about them, Tim? Oh, I'm always excited to talk about digital marketing and I'm always excited to talk with you, Jess, so I am fizzing. Very, very wonderful, very exciting. So the first big big news i would say from this week is that google is actually testing links within its search generative experience which is its ai responses and of course links have been a little bit of like a concern for a lot of us because they were just kind of felt like they were kind of taking information from a bunch of websites so then crediting kind of crediting three websites alongside but sort of not and it was making things significantly more competitive so it's really exciting to see that they're testing these links as well as testing, including images and videos within this search generated response. I don't know if you've had any chances to play with this yet, Tim, because I know you have some access to um, SGE. I have. I can even do the old sharing screen to show you what this is looking like if people want to see it, those who are watching. Very, very cool. Sorry if you are listening to the podcast, but we'll do our best to describe what we are seeing to you. So Tim, talk us, talk us through a little bit of what, what you've searched and what we can see here. Yeah, so there are a few sort of iterations of, of what this is looking like that Google seems to be testing. Uh, also a few versions of this that Google's. So this is what it used to look like, SGE used to look like, where you ask a question and then you just get a generative AI answer and there's no sort of, citation there are sometimes some websites up here that are showing you uh, that are corroborating the answer that is given but you actually can't validate the accuracy of any one statement in the answer by looking at you know where is this this answer given so i've just done a search here for how do i write page titles and meta descriptions to rank and i've got a list of i don't know what 12 or 13 different tips and there's no further information about any of them i can't go to any other website so i think this sort of answer is pretty rubbish um and it was one of the biggest bugbears people had with sge now just to be totally clear this is a search that i did just now so google isn't linking from every sge answer yet but some other searches where those links are showing up here's one that i've searched for best places to go on holiday in the uk with one and five year old children that uh, that involve lots of walking and outdoor activities. So it's one of these sort of multi-search things that SG is supposed to be great at because it can, you know, do multiple searches in the background or whatever. Um, and it's given me some answers. And next to each answer, there's a little drop-down icon. And if you click on the drop-down icon, you get some sources or some websites that corroborate that answer being cited. And you get between one and, I don't know, five i think is the most i'm seeing here uh websites linkedin and some of these answers or some of the components of the answer just show one site um some show multiple uh so this is one version of it right and this sort of drop down thing where you can see some of the links now the downside for website owners and to be fair users is that you have to have two clicks in order to actually back up the information you first need to say oh that statement looks interesting. Let's click on the link to see where that has been corroborated. Then you click on the website to see that further info. So I'm not necessarily sure that that's ideal. There are some other versions of this that people have shown out in the wild where 
you'll just see a little um a little bit of text at the end of the link in a in blue sorry a little bit of text at the end of that statement in blue showing you the website that's referenced so like investopedia or forbes and i quite like this implementation because it allows you to very quickly identify is the source of this information trustworthy whereas this doesn't allow you to do that and i think that's quite an important uh, way that people use searches when you're looking through the results you are looking at the website that's being listed and saying is this trustworthy is there any sort of ulterior motive in them giving us the uh, giving this answer um, and then another version of this has been that people have been seeing i think a little question mark or a little quotation marks and if you hover over that then you can see the sources that's a bit more like bing chat so a few versions of this um and uh yeah i mean here's what it looks like i've got some other observations but i mean what what are you thinking from having had a look at this jess yeah, it's really interesting. If you just go back to that previous search that was about um, going on holiday with small children, it's really interesting to see the ones that it has included a link for and the ones that it hasn't. For instance, the first result says, you know, Cornwall, a great destination for toddlers with sandy beaches, fishing villages and places to visit like the Eden product, Project. You're getting quite a lot of information there and you're getting a drop down link. But then further down, they have North Northumberland, considered best overall, no link. Like, that's the one that I would be like, okay, if this is considered best overall, now I want to click through somewhere yeah. and learn more about that. So it's really odd that they haven't really included that. And I also feel like based on the search you've made, the answer isn't necessarily the best. Like, considered best for sunshine, what has that got to do with walking holidays and little children? Yeah, Nothing, you know? So yeah. I think it definitely has... A long way to go. I also think bounce below at Zip World. I know a little bit about Zip World. I can't imagine taking a one-year-old no. to a Zip. I don't think they let them in. No. Yeah. No. I think they have like trampolines and stuff there, but still, it just seems a bit. Yeah, it seems like yeah. they've just grabbed this information from all over the place. But that's more of a critique of um, the SG itself rather than actually the um, the links. But it is really great to see these links being implemented. Um, the other thing I want to talk about a bit as well is them including these images and videos within the search generative experience because i think this is really really important it's going to be super important to pay attention to the type of videos that are appearing the one that you've got for this search what's this search for this Tim? Search is it about is, clinic can you get yellow stains out of marble countertop yeah and you've got what looks like kind of a vertical video very short video i don't know if it is actually youtube short or if it's TikTok or something, but it's interesting to see that it's a very seems to be a very short video that's been um, been shared, and it looks like it's playing without sound. You can essentially hover over it and see. So you're really going to want to be thinking about how you can optimize your videos for this kind of search experience. Are the things that are appearing vertical videos? Are they wider videos? And also, if people are likely to be searching these things quick maybe in public or something, you're going to want to make sure you have clear subtitles on your videos as well so that people can get the full experience without having to need to annoy everybody around them on the bus by blasting out the sound, which is never fun for anyone. So I think that's that's something that's, um, that's really exciting for a lot of marketers and definitely something you should be thinking about if you're not making any kind of video content. Look at your blogs and think, how could I distill this down to into a small amount of information something quick that people will be able to access in search so yeah yeah it's exciting this really cool 
It is. Let us know in the comments what you're thinking about this sort of next version of SGE. I have to say, Jess, having played with this, I, you know, I felt really strongly that there should be links included in SGE yeah. search results because, you know, if Google's just going to outright sort of rip pieces of text from your website and show it without any citation at all, that's not great for websites. But it's also not great for people because you can't validate sort of where that information is coming from. Having played with it, I think we've now got a situation where, you know, in the previous search results, you might have 10 websites showing up in organic and then a few ads and then maybe some you know images or other related searches we're now in a position where you search for something like why has my car insurance gone up you've got this massive list of possible reasons and then each of them has you know between one and five sources or corroborations and you've ended up with i don't know between 30 to 50 potential links on this page and particularly given that some of the answers that sge gives are very very low there doesn't seem to be much order and flow to it i now find that the whole thing personally as a user is completely overwhelming and i find it really difficult to process this amount of information not only if you've got 15 answers in the in the in the sge answer you've then got to back up each you've then got to work out whether each of them are credible click through to the ones that are relevant. SGE was supposed to be there to sort of simplify the process. And it makes me go back to perspectives, which I think could actually be the big winner in all of this, when you just want to find one really reputable source of this information who is an expert on this topic and just say, you know, why is my car insurance gone up? I don't want like 150 reasons. I want the reason. And I want yeah. someone who is expert in this space to tell me the most likely reason based on my condition or whatever. Um, and it, yeah, I, I feel like having asked for the links, we've now got potentially a different problem, which is this is just totally overwhelming. It's like a 3D search. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there's a bit, there's almost a bit too much going on. And it's kind of nice to be able to sort of scan the search results with the titles and the meta descriptions and be able to kind of be like, oh, okay, this is talking about what I want or this is at my level or, you know, I know I'm going to get the information I want from this as opposed to just a load of info that you're not even sure is correct. And you, you, know, yeah, you still have to dig through, yeah. right? With with, yeah, it's, with with page titles and metas and featured snippets, you can quickly say, like, if I search for, how do I write page titles and meta descriptions to rank? I can see Shopify ranking here. I can see a featured snippet. I can see when it was last updated. So that gives me a sense of how new it is. I can see the site. I can see the URL structure. So I know, is there any sort of funny games here? Are they trying to sell me anything? And yeah. I've got a really good description, which answers my question. I can also ask follow-up questions if my question isn't good enough. Um, I can have a look at other sites if I want to. Like, I don't feel like this is still, even if it has citations, I still don't feel like it's any better. Yeah, I definitely felt like with the, that holiday search, it really struck me as being very, it wasn't consistent. So when you would read a blog written by a person, going through all the pros and cons of these different holiday destinations for toddlers and young children, they would say best for this, worst for this, you know, things to do. Whereas this, some of them have got loads of information. Some of them are just saying it's the sunniest place. Like there's just not really enough there. Um, and it's really interesting that they haven't kind of taken on that sort of format. Like I know ChatGPT loves giving you a list 
of like, here's this thing, here's three bullet points about it. Here's this thing, here's three bullet points about it. So it's really interesting that they've kind of just gone for this really vague, unsatisfying answer. Like I would look at that and I would not know what the best holiday destination was at all based on that. Whereas if I probably would have opened that top blog, top 10 UK holiday destinations for toddlers, I would be like, yeah, I, I'm getting all the information I need. So yeah, it's it's definitely a bit strange. And it's going to be interesting to see how the wider population reacts to this and how they feel about it. Because maybe we're overanalyzing it and overthinking how we feel about it because we're connected to SEO and we're connected to marketing. So it will be really interesting to see what other people think about this for sure. So yeah, let us know in the comments um, if you're if you're watching the podcast live because it would be great to know, really great to know your thoughts. Um, our next topic is very, very interesting. It's all about more restrictions for tracking people and ad targeting and all that biz, which does seem to be becoming a weekly discussion um, about all these, you know, different consent happening with users online, different regulations happening around the world. Um, and one that kind of kicked off this section, and we've since in the past week added so many more, um, but Meta has to now ask EU users to share consent for targeted ads. So in the same way that um, Apple will flash up when you join a new app, do you want to allow tracking? It seems that in the EU, you'll be opted out of tracking rather than automatically being opted into it, um, which is pretty wild. <laughs> um, and I mean... I'm one of these people who's like, I would rather that my adverts were relevant to me yeah. and not be something totally random. Like if I'm having to look at adverts, I would rather that they actually have my interests in mind. Um, but I think, Tim, you've got some some quite interesting insights on this. Well, I mean, so this is, this is like the next stage in EU's battle against Meta, Facebook. So... And, and Apple as well as also obviously during the fight, iOS 14 stopped um, apps being able to, uh, to to track people across different apps, um, which meant that if you wanted to run targeted ads to users of Facebook, you could basically only target them based on their activity in the apps. So if I'm like joining groups about, you know, expectant mothers, then hey, maybe I'm an expectant mother. So Therefore, if I'm selling baby stuff, I might start, you know, showing ads to those types of people and, and Meta would understand that I'm in the market for that. And this is pretty aggressive move where actually Facebook wouldn't then or Meta wouldn't be allowed to use that in-app behavior to target ads. So if they don't know what you're doing on other apps, they don't like they're not even using what you're using inside Meta's apps for your ad targeting. Like, what have they got to go on? Like, demographics, location? I mean, how how relevant are those ads going to be? Yeah, this so is a thing. It, it does feel pretty aggressive. But then part of me is also thinking, well, iOS 14 was supposed to be like the death of Facebook ads, right? Because this restriction of not being able to attract people across different websites and across different apps is going to be so savage. And like, Meta's ad revenue has just 
increased year over year over year and it, since then. And it doesn't seem to have had any sort of long-term negative impact on Meta, maybe on advertisers for sure, but not on Meta. So part of me is also thinking, is this really, you know, is this going to be significantly worse than that? So I, I don't really know. I can see sort of two ways. I think the wording of this, as with any sort of privacy thing, is absolutely key because if it's presented to users as the way that you said it, Jess, do you want to see less relevant ads? Do you want to see like totally irrelevant ads that might just annoy you? Well, no, I don't. Do you want us to track your usage and sell your data to advertisers? No, I don't. So it's one of those where it's all about how you ask it. Uh, and I, I hope they're testing the wording. I expect they are. Um, but that'll be really interesting to see like how that wording impacts user choice because ask app not to track you across other apps is an absolute no-brainer, right? You're clicking that because you're like, I don't want to be tracked. But at the same yeah, time, yeah. like, do you want less relevant, pointless, annoying ads? No. When you're watching TV, it's so annoying to see so many ads that are just totally irrelevant. So yes. yeah, it's all about the wording, I think. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. We've had a comment on the live stream um, from Lydia Lorraine saying, it still feels spooky when a super relevant ad appears out of nowhere. Um, yeah, I definitely, definitely understand that. I think a few people do feel, do feel creeped out by that. I have had people ask me in the past, you know, oh, do you turn on a, a switch to say that you, your adverts will listen to people? And I'm like, no, that's not, that's not what happens. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely understand. And I think a lot of people feel that way. And I think that is what will deter them. Um, Apple have, speaking of Apple and their kind of push for less tracking, they've also revealed recently that they will like, and I think how I worded that, basically Apple are going to put more restrictions on the tracking that devs can do. So for example, devs now need like a good reason to collect that data. Um, and so if they don't have a good reason, they won't be able to track you, um, which could, by the sounds of things, they're really trying to target like people that are misusing tracking rather yeah. than like, meta and stuff but it's just really important if you have an app for your business that you're making it very clear why you have tracking in there and why you want um why you want to track your users yeah apple apple basically doesn't want developers to use some api loopholes to fingerprint its users right and it's sort of closing some of those and i yeah apple's play apple does such a good job of sort of playing the the privacy advocate underdog to help protect us from all these yeah. evil advertisers while it grows its own ad product revenue massively and has become like <laughs> the highest value company in that space. So yeah, it's, it's just uh, it's such a fun game to watch. I think Tim Cook's political uh, strategy and his ability to avoid the spotlight too much is just amazing. Really amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so you never hear about him being in any drama, no. really, do you? Um, he's not, yeah, he's not doing he... any cage fights. <laughs> no, no, exactly. No, he's just not involved. Um, another news story about tracking is that TikTok users in the EU can now choose if they want a more personalized experience or not. So whether they want their to be tracked through the app or if they don't. And that is my idea of hell on TikTok. Like when I log into Exposure Ninja TikTok that doesn't really have like any algorithm to it because, you know, we just use it to upload videos. The videos that come up, I'm like, these are so irrelevant to me. Or they'll just kind of be 
marketing ones, which I'm like, cool, but not necessarily the experience that I'm after on TikTok and like Sunday morning, let's say. Um, whereas when I'm on my own TikTok, it's like laser focus. Like it almost reads my mind. It knows what I'm after. And I think that's what drew a lot of people to TikTok in the first place is because they were really getting a lot of content that was so, so relevant to them without having to think about it. Now, it's really interesting because it seems like you can choose this. And I feel like a lot of people will turn it off, spend five minutes on like bland TikTok with no tracking and have watched like six prank videos in a row and four slime making tutorials and be like, this isn't for me. You know, they're going to be like, this isn't to my interest. And then they're going to switch it back on. But it's going to be really interesting to see how they go forward with this. What are your thoughts, Tim? Yes. Oh, it's a similar thing. I feel like this is all about the wording. Like if if someone asked the average TikTok user, do you want us to monitor every millisecond of your behavior on the app? Do you want us to see how long you're dwelling on a particular video? Do you want us to analyze the content of your videos to see if you're into slime making tutorials or, you know, female weightlifters or, or whatever? And, you know, target you with the videos that are going to keep you most hooked and addicted to the app so that the rest of your life sort of dissolves in a chaos car crash. No, I don't want that. That sounds awful. But then, yeah, do you want to watch a whole bunch of irrelevant rubbish? No, you've got Instagram reels for that, right? So, it, yeah, it's all about the wording. But this feels like, like you said, TikTok's success is the success of that algorithm. To think that there is a world where they're going to let people opt out or even potentially, you know, default opt out. That's just, if I'm TikTok, I'm thinking I don't want this world. So again, Absolutely. I, hope, I hope they're spending a good amount of money testing the wording of that notification and making it easy to opt back in once you've seen all the slime making tutorials and you're like, nah. Completely. And I think um, if you're like, how does this apply to me? How does this affect my business? It's really important if you have a lot of success with these ads whether that's on TikTok, whether that's on um, Meta or whether you're running an app and you're worried that you might be, you might get penalized by Apple. It's really important to think about diversifying your channels and finding more ways to connect with your audience, whether you're doing some email marketing to them um, and offering them a really like valuable mailing list or whether you're looking at these platforms and thinking, how can we connect with them? in a more organic way. Like I don't think I've ever had a Duolingo advert on TikTok, but I've had a lot of organic content for them. Same with Ryanair um, and same with a lot of these like bigger brands. So I think that is like very, very important to be thinking about. Obviously, if TikTok gets rid of their, their algorithm for some people, or if you opt out, you're just going to get drivel. Essentially, it's not relevant to you. So it won't work in that aspect. But on platforms like Instagram and places like that, you've will hopefully be able to connect with them in ways that aren't through paid ads. That's super, super important. Yeah, that's and that's a really good point. Like TikTok is one of the platforms really where organic reach for brands is still sort of still pretty legit. It's still fairly, I don't say reliable because it's not <laughs> as reliable as, as paid reach, but you know, it's still a viable strategy. Whereas for a lot of uh, a lot of social channels, it's really not. Lydia raises a good question here. Does targeting via tracking create an echo chamber for users? What about businesses that operate in a brand new niche? I mean, yes, it does, right? That's kind of the point. It's to feed people more of what they want. And then, of course, you can add a bit of randomness. Most of these algorithms have a, a sort of percentage of, of randomness to bring variety in. Um, but that is essentially what, what 
people like is to exist in an echo chamber where all the thoughts that they see basically reflect how they feel. And that is, you know, that's a serious problem. And I think TikTok has done a couple of things. It's, it allows you to filter by certain hashtags so you can remove certain hashtags from your feed if you don't want to see, you know, you accidentally watch something for too long. That's a bit troubling. And then you end up, you know, you're seeing all of these troubling videos. Yeah. And you can also... I think you can hit like a refresh button and it refreshes your feed as if you're a new user. Um, so you can sort of uh, re-educate the algorithm. So I think there is there are some ways around this, but what about businesses that operate in a brand new niche? I think is a really good question. Um, for me, this is one of the areas where businesses that, can, that do operate in a brand new niche have actually managed to find success, often by finding one particular demonstration or a way of demonstrating their products and service, which is interesting to a fairly broad number of users, um, whether it's, I don't know, like lock picking and, uh, you know, you get all these lock pickers. I don't know if you've seen the McNally lock picker. And it's like, it's a really interesting, yeah. unique application and a, a great way of building credibility for that business. So I think it doesn't it doesn't really matter what niche you're in. You can build an audience on TikTok if you find a way of demonstrating that product or service that is interesting to the average person, teaching them something that they didn't know before. Um, so I think even if there's not a not like a big audience for that, you can still get some reach. Yeah, really. Um, this isn't a niche one, but it is a kind of business nonprofit that does really well on TikTok. But have a look at Citizens Advice because I think they do a really good job of like taking something that could be very, very dry and making it, making it really, really fun. Like anybody that's looking to get into TikTok, I always suggest looking at Citizens Advice because they're not as extreme as Ryanair and Duolingo, but they really take something that's quite difficult to make fun and make it really, really fun. Like now, whenever I have friends who are having issues, I'm like, have you thought about contacting Citizens Advice? That was never a go-to for me before. But now that I've seen them on TikTok, I'll always recommend them um, just because wow. I've got so much value from them. And I think they really understand their, their audience. Like they're one of my favorite businesses on TikTok. I call them a business, but, you know, kind of a charity. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're really, really cool. So anybody who's interested in getting into TikTok, have a look at Citizens Advice because they're really, really cool. For our next topic, I'm going to let Tim lead this because it's all very numbery and very cool, and very interesting. Um, and I think Tim will explain it a much better way than I have. But I also feel like, Tim, we might have had almost conflicting news report come through this morning, potentially. But this could also just be me misunderstanding <laughs> and not being able to articulate it. So I will let Tim take away. And if he sounds like he's too complicated, I will try in layman's terms it for well, you. That's my job. No, I, I don't <laughs> think so. So the story here is... Jess, you found uh, a report from Axios that showed that the ad market is looking up. Uh, second quarter GDP report showed that business uh, investment is going up 7.7%. Consumer spending has slowed to 1.6%. Now we've got to keep in mind that I don't know, is this UK or US? Like US inflation year on year is, I know it's around 3%. UK inflation is over 7%. It's so like we have to adjust those numbers for inflation. But then there was a, an FT, uh, some FT data or some UK. That's Financial and, Times, everyone. Financial Times, yeah. My, my favorite thing in the entire world, if you do nothing else, just get an FT subscription, read it every day. It's so good. Um, anyway, showed that UK spending slowed in July. Uh, still, you know, by slowed, what they mean is it's not increasing as fast as it used to be. So it's still increasing year on year, but it's not increasing as fast as it was. 
And there's also some data that's coming out about, you know, um, households have burnt through the money that they've saved during COVID or they're burning through it. And now consumer credit spending is going up. Then there was a story about uh, WPP that Dale shared. WPP, for those who don't know, big ad agency group and sort of shows us a bit of a, they're considered to be a bit of a bellwether for the advertising and marketing industry, because if they're making less money, then it typically means that advertisers are spending less. They re reported a drop in revenue, um, but there's some caveats there that they're heavily reliant on tech clients like uh, Facebook and Google who are trying to target profitability. To be honest, I think the story is nobody knows what on earth is going on with the economy, really. There are always conflicting reports. They change from month to month. People are feeling positive and bullish. We're out of this. We've avoided the recession. You know, US looks to be pretty positive. Inflation's coming right down without triggering huge, uh, you know, job vacancies and uh, without triggering a recession. UK inflation still looks to be looking up. But sometimes it's good news, sometimes it's bad. Things seem to be going basically sideways, is my read on it all. So we just have to focus on running ads that are profitable, doing good marketing. Like I honestly, I think don't worry too much about the external noise at this stage um, because nobody can predict. If you look at the economists predicting what they think infl uh, interest rates will be over time and how those predictions have changed even over the last year, it's absolutely wild. There's that quote that says something like, um, economic predictions are there to make uh, tarot reading look legitimate or something like that right where it's just like it's it's a stab in the dark so I think I think that's where I'm at and I spend a lot of time looking at sort of financial data and boring stuff and reading the FT and it's no one knows what the hell's going on from week to week it changes so yeah just keep running and yeah. just keep marketing yeah yeah absolutely absolutely what is it be brave when people are fearful and when people are, I can't remember the quote, you yes, know this, Jess, you know this greedy quote. when others are fearful and fearful when it. others are greedy. And right now they're all confused, so act with certainty. <laughs> yes, excellent, excellent. It's, it's really one of those where I look inward and see what's working yeah. for you individually. There's no shame on looking in your industry and seeing, okay, this is how others are performing for a little bit of reassurance maybe, or to see, oh, okay, I actually could be doing better, or okay, you know, everybody's doing this. I'm actually doing really well. And I'm actually performing really well. That can give you a little bit of confidence. Um, and just, yeah, it's, it's never as bad as it might, as it might seem. Um, I would say, yeah. um, we've had a comment comment just to finish out on, on the live stream saying, I looked at the marble cleaning video you showed earlier, which was part of the search generative, um, experience from Google. And it's a regular YouTube video size rather than being vertical, despite it sort of looking like it was vertical. I think it was probably uploaded vertical but was actually when you view it on YouTube, it has the black bars on the side. Yeah. So it seems we need that format for search generative experience and vertical format for perspective. Now this could be true, but what I would definitely say is once this kind of starts rolling out, put in your kind of searches that you expect your customers will be searching and look at the type of video that's coming up because it could be possible that for some searches, maybe let's say for like younger audiences or that they expect younger audiences are searching for, they might opt to use those perspective like vertical videos. Whereas for um, some other types of searches, they might use like the extended kind of bigger video, yeah, <laughs> like the average YouTube size. You know, I think that's that's really important. It's the same as like 
when you're going doing SEO and going through your search results now, it's important to like look at the format of the blogs that are performing best. What's in the feature snippet? Is it like bullet points? Is it numbers? Is it just a paragraph? And paying attention to that. And I think it'll be, I think it'll be very, very similar. So um just just yeah, do your research, keep a lookout. And um, yeah, lots of exciting things ahead. It's it's interesting to watch SGE evolve. It's interesting to see how these laws change with tracking. It's interesting to see how the ad market seems to be all over the place. But yeah, what a like, I suppose there's so many, yeah, so many changes, so many different things happening. I guess there is uncertainty with things like AI um, searches and stuff that they just can't make any sure predictions, really. So, yeah. That's, well, thank that's you for our... listening to our predictions, everyone. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Thanks for listening to our predictions. We obviously know what we're talking about. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast, please um, hit the follow button on any podcast platform you watch or listen to. Or if you're watching us on a different platform live, you can watch us on Facebook, follow over there, or subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, if you haven't already requested a free website marketing review from the team at Exposure Ninja, you can do at ExposureNinja.com slash view. Get a 15-minute video going through your website and your marketing and letting you know what's good and what's not so good what's not and the so changes good. that you can make today. Yeah. Anything else you want to add, Tim? No. Be bold. Go. Be bold hard. and have fun. Yeah. Thanks, and yeah. be kind. And be kind, yeah. <laughs> See you next week, everyone. Bye.